Well, good morning, friends, and uh, I just want to say I see you spring forward people at home right now. <laughs> you have been seen in your jammies and your slow wake up, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I see you. I see you in the room, you hardcore people. You're ready to get here and lean in during the worship. And again, those of you who aren't ready, I completely understand. I'm not shaming you. You were up. You were ready to come here. Um, so I'm so thankful to just be in wherever you are, just to be in your space and uh, just for us to share collectively together. Um, I wanted to give you just a little bit of a heads up about Easter. Uh, Easter is in just a couple weeks. It's crazy. I know it feels like, at least for me, time is flying, but I love seeing spring, spring right now. And for Easter, just as a heads up, um, that's a, a, a whole weekend that we get to have some experiences. And um, here at Northgate and San Francisco and our Benicia campus, um, we typically like to have some sort of Good Friday experience uh, that's much more contemplative. It's something that you get to walk through in your own, in your own time. And we do kind of a, a, a stations of the cross and just some experience like that. So we've been working really hard at making sure that this is uh, safe, also that it's comfortable when it comes to just the things that we're going to experience together. So Good Friday, yeah, we're going to have uh, the spaces available between four and six. You can come at any time. You don't need to register for either campus. And you can come through and experience just a time with Jesus and what that Friday looked like and ultimately meant for all of us. And then on Sunday, April 4th, we get to experience the celebration of a, a Resurrection Sunday, just like we do every Sunday. And for that weekend, um, we're going to be expanding our children's services. We're going to have two services at 9 and 11, uh, because we got to go there. We get to go to two services. For those of you who are comfortable to make space for that. Uh, and then we're going to have nursery, our youngins, through fifth grade available um, for you to bring your entire family and experience that either the 9 or 11. So those tickets are live today. You can go ahead and you can start reserving tickets for that stuff right now. And especially you people who are early birds, get after that 11 o'clock service. It's going to be great. So there's Easter. Uh, excited about it. Looking forward to just what this new season is going to be bringing. Um, and then got some exciting um, things that we're going to be doing after Easter. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. So now to today in the conversation we've been having, we've been going through a series called Journey of Stones where we've taken different stories out of uh, Scripture and the New Testament when it has to do with stones or what they've meant. And uh, we've had different people sharing this. Last week we had Pastor Ken. He kinda got to continue on this journey with us of stones. Ultimately, where we're going to end up is the stone that was rolled away on Resurrection Sunday. And for today, I wanted to tell you that uh, there's this uh, saying that you've had before of sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words will never hurt me. And we say, nonsense. <laughs> In reality, we, we teach our kids that when they're young, when they're sad or they've been hurt by someone. And here's the deal is people literally throw stones, right? Not just people. Let's just say it. We literally throw stones at people and the way that we act. And one of those specific ways we act is I believe that it's judgment and judgment from a distance. And so today we're going to talk about the stone of judgment. We, a couple of weeks ago, even got to unpack the story of the woman caught in adultery and where Jesus said, those who have no sin, pick up your stone and throw it first. And they all dropped their stone. 
I uh, asked my family uh, this week, I said, hey, we're talking about judgment. You got anything about judgment? Like, what do you think? And like immediately, my 13-year-old said this, right here, judgment. It's a bad habit that everyone has. And I was like, well, there's the whole, I'm done. That's great. You're 13, you get it. It's a bad habit that everyone has. Amen? Like for reals. We have this habit and everyone has a judgment issue. Uh, I, uh, I got, when I was 18, I was waiting and, you know, I was young and doing my own thing. And I decided, you know, I'm going to get a tattoo. And it was my 18th birthday. I remember I left early from school or I got out early because I was a senior. Went and waited and got my first tattoo. And it was like this really silly saying, right? But it was like the thing that it was only God can judge me, right? That's right. But let me tell you this. We do a good job at it too. And we even cover it up. And I'll talk about this in a little bit. I'm one of the infamous covers of this. I say, yeah, yeah, no. We're not allowed to judge people, but we can certainly evaluate, right? <laughs> and we do a lot of evaluating, and that's what we call it. No, 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 I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you you're wrong. Uh, I'm just evaluating the situation, right? So let's hop in. We are going to be in uh, the Sermon on the Mount again. Um, I've been just sitting in this stuff because really this is like the sum of everything Jesus had to say to us. It was the best message ever given, um, and there's so much to pull out of this. And what happens is he gives this Sermon on the Mount, and then he just gets to play it out and live it out and show us how to live all the things he said and talked about out. So this is, again, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he pops in right here in uh, Matthew 7, 1, and he starts this part out with, do not judge. We could just sit in that one for a whole long time, right? And for some people who are new to church or there's a lot of people out in this culture, they're like, yeah, this is it. The golden rule used to be um, treat others as you would like them to treat you, right? Um, but this is what's kind of become the new thing is we're just going to culturally be uh, comfortable and we're not going to judge anyone and you're just going to do you and you're just going to be who you are and however you are and I don't want conflict, right? We're going to give distance to that. And this is like a pretty big thing right here that we're sitting in. It's a pretty good thing, especially in regards to all of us, because this is something in our natural state that we have to deal with in our heart, that we're born into this sense in which we have this natural inclination to judge people, to look at them and judge them based on either the way that they live, right? Uh, their lifestyle, their money. Of course, in the church, you know, we do this. There's a lot of conversation about that. But we judge on, based on um, what they believe or don't believe or how they do the right things or how we see it as the wrong things we judge them. If they don't dress the right way, if they don't say the right things, or if they don't act the right way. And this tends to be our heart's natural inclination. You know, you can, you, you can probably go through the rest of your day, and if you're aware of it, you will find yourself quickly judging, just thinking, right? Looking at that person, putting an evaluation on that person from a distance. And I know, I'm going to be right honest with you right now, um, I can struggle with this too. Um, I can struggle with this in like a, a real way, judging from a distance. You know, I have people often come to me in my office and counseling, and there's marital relationship issues, and, you know, maybe someone has, you know, um, uh, infidelity in there, or just dramatic things, and I can find myself sitting across uh, my desk, like, looking and thinking, oh my gosh, what are you doing? 
like judgment. Like this is, this is crazy. I can't believe that you would do this. Or you can even be like, wow, I, I don't even know how you get there. I would never do that, right? This is the human nature. Or we can start evaluating ourselves like, you know, whether or not uh, our, our actions are appropriate and good. And I can feel in those moments that God's saying like, hey, this isn't my people. There's a new thing that I've done in you. And so therefore I'm saying, do not judge. You're not to judge because I need you to see people. And I can sit there and I say, God, like, okay, help me see this woman. Help me see this man. Help me see this person as a human that is hurting, uh, that has come here and wants to fix these things. Um, and so I can find myself doing it too. I'm just saying I'm not, I'm not resolved from it. Like I have to deal with the same things that we all deal with walking around seeing someone. And I have to say, God, give me eyes to see people as you see them so I don't find myself as my heart naturally wants to go to judging. So he continues on and he says, do not judge. And we kind of hung out there. Or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged with the measure you use. It will be used to measure you. And so right now, some of us hit the panic button, right? <laughs> because we don't like that part. We like the, I'm just evaluating judging. Continues on and he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank, or some versions say log, or in Greek, plank, to your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take this speck out of your eye, when all of the time there is a giant plank in your own eye, right? Here's the deal when it comes to this. We know exactly all of the issues your spouse has. I know all my wife's issues. She knows all of my issues, what's wrong. And we, we think, I know exactly what's wrong with you. Maybe we can do a couple counseling sessions and have a talk and you can just work and do a few tweaks and those things and then we'll be good, right? But they're thinking the same thing about you. Maybe you need to do a few little tweaks and then some different things and I know exactly what you need to do and then we'll be good, right? We, we find ourselves all the time, you know, you, you've seen those crazy images of, you know, this giant log that you're carrying around and you're pointing and you're judging. And I think that um, this whole conversation is actually leading itself into a, a, a really interesting space or some accountability. But specifically right here, we've seen now that Jesus is saying, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. Don't judge somebody else because then you're going to be judged worse. Don't judge somebody else because you've got really big problems too and you're wanting to just take care of their problems and you're not really wanting to take care of their problems. You're just wanting to throw it out there of what their problems are. And I know you guys know this is true because I see it on social media all the time or, you know, just this is the way we are. But this is leading to a place of accountability because we need people that are going to look at us and lovingly tell us and have a conversation with us about the log or the plank that is hanging out of our eye. Not in a judgment way, but it's the whole like, I got a log, <laughs> guess what? You got a log, right? This is actually the beauty of a lot of recovery groups. And even the recovery group that we have here that meets every Monday, rain or shine, uh, weekly. And, and you go into recovery group and a lot of people just assume that recovery group is for like these raging issues in massive problems, and specifically they'll kind of single it out into like it's some sort of substance abuse. Not realizing 
that logs are representative of many things. And there's beauty when you get into a space around other people and you get to say, hey, my name's Larry, I'm in recovery and let's talk about my log. And then you can talk about your log and we're gonna work on our logs together and do a little uh, logging, right? <laughs> right? We're gonna, we're gonna make a fire right here and throw this stuff in there. So there's this accountability aspect and I believe that we see this actually. There's a really great example I wanna share with you. It's in 2 Samuel, which is in the Old Testament, 12, one through seven. I'll read to this real quick with you in just a second. Um, this is a situation where David, King David, a lot of you maybe are familiar with hearing this story, whether you've grown up in church or not, uh, but there's a story of a woman named Bathsheba, right? And David saw her on this patio and she was bathing and then he sent someone to go get her. He ended up sleeping with her. Well, Uriah uh, was Bathsheba's husband who was out actually fighting uh, for David and his army. And uh, Bathsheba had become pregnant, and so David, King David, sent for Uriah to have him come back, um, tried to, like, have him hook up with his wife, right, cover this whole thing up, ends up not doing it because he felt, like, bad because he wasn't out in the army, he wasn't fighting, and so ultimately what happened is David ended up sending a note out and uh, having him killed. So it just escalated. On, it was like a cover-up, a cover-up, a cover-up. Well, what happened later is um, David had a really good friend. I'll call him an accountability partner, right? That God sent um, to him and had a message for him. And it says this, then the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, then now he gave, gives a story. He said, let me tell you about a story, David. There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. And the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except a little lamb that he had bought. He raised it and he grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. It's like you crazy people with your dogs, right? I know you. You got, you got them in like a little outfit, and like a little cup at the table for them. Half of them eat better than you eat. It's crazy. <laughs> Dog people. All right, you're going. Now, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or his cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the little ewe lamb that was belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come. Now, this is what happens. David, like many of us, would he burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay the price that the, he must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity, right? This is ridiculous. He took that little baby, that daughter to that man. It wasn't even his. He slaughtered his throat. He had all of these cattle. Why would he did that, do that? And then Nathan said, you are the man. Not like, you the man. But like, uh, you're that guy. Like, here's some accountability. This isn't just coming with this judging and condemning from a distance. But you're that guy. I, I get asked this question, and I ask this question a ton. Anywhere, specifically, anytime I'm around men in any kind of relationship, um, I will ask, um, what's your accountability? Like, how do you have accountability? And, and I know that a lot of you maybe have seen 
a lot of things over the news uh, over the last couple of years and even recently, and specifically with a lot of pastors, uh, because it's like great news for some reason. You'll see all of these things where there's been misconduct and, and these like scandals going on, and a lot of that has to do with a lack of accountability. And so I get asked that question too, of like, what's your accountability? I ask other men, what's your accountability? And I'm speaking from a male's point of view, so understand I'm not going to be able to go as deep in this with women. You need it as well. But with men, you know, like I've gotten some, I'll just say like some ridiculous answers before. And it's like, hey, what do you do to keep yourself accountable? Like when you're traveling or when things just aren't going right or you're stressed or you're going through these different seasons. And I remember one of the silliest answers I got that we had to walk through was like, well, I mean, have you seen my wife? And it was like, what? Like, that's, not gonna, that's not accountability, right? That's a beautiful relationship that you have, but that's not actually going to be like a Nathan in your life. We jumped ahead a little bit. So the question is really, that's what I'm getting to, what kind of accountability do you have in your life? Who's your Nathan? I know for me, I have a group of, uh, here, a board that I get to be accountable to, and I get to talk about my life and what's going on, and I get to talk about my relationships or the things that I'm struggling with or the things that I'm dealing with and the things that I'm doing to try to make sure that I become better and healthy and that I don't become judgmental and I don't find myself in a weird spot. I also have a, cu- a couple of the really good buddies that I share everything with. It's everything is out in the open. This is literally what I'm dealing with. I have, and I, I had talked about this a couple of months ago, I have a buddy that I call, we call five days a week um, every morning at 7.50 a.m. So like people are trying to get a hold of me from like 7.50 to like 8.30, 8.45 or somewhere around there. You can't get a hold of me because we're talking and a lot of that has to do, and this is the crazy part, here's like my, my sins from yesterday or this weekend or the things that I struggled with or man, the dumb thing I said and you know, like this is, and then not just talking about it, but the accountability piece of like, and here's what I'm going to do about it. Here's what I'm working on doing about it. And uh, that's the kind of accountability that we need to have, friends, because we don't want to find ourselves in a situation where we're making these mistakes and, and, we just, and people are distant and no one's helping us because we're just like, I don't want to judge, I don't want to judge, I don't want to judge, I don't want to judge. And no one will come alongside of you and say, Hey, my name's Larry. I'm in recovery. Here's my log, right? I don't want to talk about just the speck in your eye. Now, here's a really interesting that ha- thing that happens because we're going through kind of exegetically in these verses. We started in Matthew 7, verse 1, and we went through 5. And it's all about don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. Don't talk about the speck in someone else's eye when you've got a log in your own eye. And then he makes this crazy shift that I really had to chew on that almost feels like it's contradictory to what he had just said. I'm going to read it to you. We'll, we'll hop into it and then we'll go. All of a sudden, he's like, don't do the log plank thing. Now we jump into, do not give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. So first off, I do this like you would do. What? What does that even mean? Like all of a sudden we're talking about dogs and pigs and throwing pearls out to them. And in this, in the, in this continuation of conversation, I'm like, well, hold on. So don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. Sure, I got that. 
And, and then all of a sudden he's like, and by the way, there's pigs and, and there's dogs. And make sure you, that you don't judge those, right? Or make sure you do judge those. And that also you never put holy things in front of those pigs or the dogs. So here's the balance that we've just gone through and learned right here. Never judge, totally always judge. Like, whoa, whoa, what does this mean? Now, Now, what is this shift he just made? What is this about? And as I kind of walked through this and wrestled with this, I, we see that verse one through five is not this carte blanche prohibition against critical thinking and that we should never critically think about things that we should never dismantle and kind of tear things apart or never push back or push against that we should never confront. It's not that. What? verse one through five about is not judging people from a distance and condemning. We shouldn't be judging people from a distance because we're walking through the grocery store with the log hanging out and we're like, no, look at them. Look at that speck, right? And that's what we're thinking. That's what that is talking about. We don't want to do this from a distance. Now, verse six says that there's actually a place in life where you actually need to make sure that you're confronting or you're discerning or you're critiquing and you're calling out. And this pushes back against this idea of like, you know, only God can judge me. I'm not going to judge anyone. I'm not going to do this. They're going to do that. And they're going to make those decisions and whatever, right? That's not how this, that's not how this works. And to kind of dive in just a little bit deeper to this, you see um, things uh, that Paul does in Acts 13 or Acts 19. You can read through some of those and see as they kind of dismantle this idea that there's accountability that we need to have but it's an appropriate accountability in how we treat it. Or we, we look at something that we kind of really wrestle with if you've dug into through the New Testament. In Matthew 18, there's this whole conversation about discipline in the church. Now, that leads to um, my role uh, in the church or the role of elders in the church, which is to protect or take care of the flock as a shepherd. And, you know, Jesus, you know, people ask Jesus, what can I do for you? And he's like, feed my sheep, feed my people. Uh, which means like love them as I have loved you and care for them. Not just in all kind of freedom, but there are times when things happen and situations arise. And in Matthew 18, it talks about this disciplinary thing where he's saying, hey, if you see someone struggling or doing something that they shouldn't do and they are a follower of Jesus, that they made this shift where they said, I'm going to live a new life. I'm going to live a surrendered life to you, Jesus. And I'm living in this life, but then yet you're still making these decisions in life. That it talks about how you need to go to another person and have a conversation with them and call them out and push into that, right? And help them then go on some sort of rehabilitation to fix their marriage or fix their issue or this addiction problem that's hurting them and hurting other people. And then it talks about how if, if it doesn't happen with the one person that you bring a few people and you have that conversation. And then it gets to like this really crazy picture where it's like, if that doesn't work and they're still not, you know, understanding that what this is causing, that you actually then go in front of the church, the, the community of other believers and talk about it and say it and call it out and tear it down. Now, I don't want a lot of you guys to freak out right now. I'm not going to throw anyone's picture up here right now and be like, now this is the person. We're judging. It's not how this works. But there is a place where we need to be held accountable to what we're doing, not just this hands-off all of the time. Barnard Research 
uh, is a group that does surveys. They went out and they asked a handful of people who are non-Christians that don't do the Jesus thing. And the top three things that they hate about church was they were asking about. And one of the top three things, 87% was that the church is judgmental right now. I think that we have been called as followers of Jesus to lean into that verse one through five because what people are talking about is judging from a distance. It's not a relational thing. So we can get caught up in saying, this is my life, this is how good I am, I am changed and transformed, you're not, right? Or, or you can just quickly be pointing out and gossiping and saying these things about others, talking in their back, which is a form of judgment. And people who are far from Jesus are like, That's, I don't wanna be a part of that. I don't do that. And there's a lot of people who don't. And, and it's not a reflection of the greatest commandment to love others as I have loved you, as Jesus loved us. It's not until people say, hey, I'm a part of this community. Now there can be accountability because it's a relational conversation. I get asked all kinds of questions from a distance uh, about opinions or theological things or um, just our views and where we stand in statements of faith. And many of those conversations aren't had well through an email or a phone call. Why? That's like a, yeah, a phone call. That's, that's like a situation where you want to sit down and have a conversation because then you can understand my heart. I can sit there and say, here's my log. Let's talk about the log that you want to talk about and the hurt that other people's logs have done, right? how they have done damage to others. Now, how do we know what kind of discernment to have and, and, and how we have conversations and approach one another and encourage one another? Again, this is a continuation of conversations he's having in the Bible. If you're reading through that, it has all these little like breakups. That's not how it was originally written. So in this message, it goes right into this. It says, ask, <clears throat> and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks and finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, a lot of people like, will shift and be like, ooh, this means something else. This means this is like now that Jesus, it's like a slot machine. Ask, and you will receive. 777, baby, right? <laughs> Jackpot. Remember, this is a, a continuation of this conversation. So it's pointing right back at this. When you're trying to understand how we have these relational conversations, ask me and it will be given to you. I'm gonna give you discernment and wisdom. Knock and you're gonna find it. The door is gonna be opened, right? For everyone who asks and receives is the one who finds these things and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. He's saying, bring these things to me and I'm going to partner with you as we walk through this and deal with this. Now, this whole conversation that we've had, many of the way that Jesus talks is all done in something called a hyperbole, right? And we get to like little sections and that's like the thing we'll take in other sections we don't take. So we're already, we're going like, yeah, I'm not gonna do the whole dog pig thing, right? Or earlier in the, his message, just a, a couple chapters ago, you see where he's saying, hey, if your eye causes you to lust, pluck it out. 
if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And we get, and we're like listening, we're like, yeah, this is good. Mm, yeah, don't judge, this is really great. And then we get to the, like the eye thing, and we're like, oh, he's just over-exaggerating. <laughs> yeah, it's not a thing, right? We're not going to cut our hand off, right? So why would we stop and think suddenly that all of this wouldn't be in hyperbole, right? This whole ask and it'll be given to you, knock. And so we switch and we're like, yeah, don't judge, don't judge. This is so good. And now anything we want, we gonna get. It's hyperbole. It doesn't mean everything that we ask for, everything that we pray for, we're gonna get. And most of you know that's not reality, right? Um, But when we're in situations where we need God's guidance and direction or help and somebody that we feel can actually come alongside of us and scoop us up and say, here's my log. I'm not judging you, but look, we got some work to do. We have work to do right now, friends. So what work do you need to do? Ask, seek, knock, and allow God to do a work in you. And then I love how it kind of ends this part of the conversation, at least as far as we're going to go today. Um, it says, which of you, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. You know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and prophets. And this isn't just like a nicey, nice conversation right here. Do to others, be nice so everyone's nice to you, right? No. It's like do some hard loving with others because you want people to love you hard back. And sometimes loving somebody hard is just being there for them and, you know, gifts to them and caring and and coming alongside of them. And other times that hard love doing to others is saying like, hey, you got my blind spot? You got my blind spot? You got my six? You got my back? Are you taking care of me? You know, the whole Maverick Goose thing, someone else is looking behind you, telling you where the bogeys are going to come in and get you. That's what you want to do to others in a healthy way because you want them to do that to you. So you don't go out there beating people up with your log, but that we can recognize that God made us for community and this beautiful thing that he's created in us. So uh, if you got your phones, you can bust out your phones. So we're wrapping up today. We're going to do a a worship song about how God is a, how God is really just our king. He's, he's, he's all for us. But I want to give you uh, these questions here. Check this out. You can take a picture with your phone. These are questions to ask. The first one is, what log do you need to work on or plank? My middle schoolers out there are giggling at that question. What log do you need to work on? What's that thing that's causing damage? What's that thing that is hurting other people? In reality, it's hurting you. And if you need help, remember that whole conversation? Your, your spouse or your close friend, do you want to know the answer? Just ask. They are probably ready and willing. <laughs> They're probably going to be like, I thought you'd never ask. Right? 
<laughs> and then they bust up this list. Okay, where to start, right? What log do you need to work on? And seriously, who's your accountability? Who's your accountability? Who's your recovery group? Who's the person that you can sit there and say, hey, my name's Larry, I'm in recovery. Let's talk. It's 7.50 in the morning right now. Let's have a conversation about what I'm struggling with or what I did or what I said or how I'm feeling or how I'm going into this day and check it. Check me. Be my accountability. And that's one of my favorite parts of accountability is it's not, you know, all these things, but it's just like, this is the way I'm feeling. I'm running into this day and there's a, a heart check, a posture to be like, perspective is a beautiful thing, right? A picture that's given. They're the one who's going to take a picture of you and hand it to you and you're like, ugh, <laughs> right? So we forget what we look like. It's a mirror. Who is your accountability? Who's your accountability? And maybe this week you need to ask, seek, knock, and ask God, will you lead me to someone that can be my accountability? Make me new. Help make me better. Help me walk through this crazy life together. So that way, sticks and stones don't just break bones and words don't hurt others too. Because judgment is a habit that everyone struggles with for sure. So let's stand. We're going to respond and worship.
gonna let, you're never gonna let me down Sing that this morning You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down Oh no you invited in, you get adopted in as a son or daughter into his family for eternity and on this earth into a faith community that'll sit with you and say, hey, I'm in recovery too. We're a people in process taking new steps towards Jesus. So welcome to a grace-filled community. And if you're wondering like, okay, so how do I do that? What's the next step? We just got an easy step for you that's going to help you in this process. It's a little journal we wrote. It's called This Changes Everything because when you get, when you are adopted as a son or daughter into his family, into this family, it changes everything, truly. And I want you to experience that. He wants you to experience this as a free gift. And so this is a free gift to you. We'll mail it to you. You can text TCE1 to 94000. Or if you're here in the room today, there's a little spot you as you leave. You can go stop back there. We're going to give this to you and follow up with you as a next step. And so I want you to have this. If you're new with us today, or maybe this is one of your first times, or maybe you just want to let us know, hey, I'm ready to tell you who I am. I've been here a couple times. We would love the opportunity to get to know who you are online. 
or here in person. We have a gift for you. We want to give you just some information about what's going on, answer questions, and just get you in, wrapped into community. And like you heard early, starting point is a great place to start. When you're going to go like, so where do I start? Like, where do I learn? How do I get involved in these things? Starting point, right there. Just start there. We have it every week. You can hop in whenever you want. So, man, may we allow Jesus to be the king of our heart. I want to send you off with a blessing. We have this posture of giving up and receiving. And so may you, may you just enjoy the presence of Jesus as you eat, as you ask, as you seek, as you knock. And may he comfort you and may he do hard work on you and I this week. I love you, friends. I'll see you next week.